Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Welcome to the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Uh, it's Tuesday, September the 7th. Thanks to Heritage Digital, as always, for sponsoring this first part of the Inside the Game Guys podcast. Please take advantage uh, of all they have to offer. Give my friend Matt a call. I just wanted to mention that off the top. Gamecocks won. First game of the Shane Beamer era, 46 to nothing over a Eastern Illinois team that was probably a little overmatched. I know, there was probably no probably about it. I think it was uh, they were overmatched. Uh, lots of big plays in all three phases for South Carolina. Um, but, you know, I, I think sometimes when you have an opener like this where uh, you've got the other team dead to right, I mean, there was really – I mean, they kind of tried to surprise the Gamecocks with a, a quarterback change up. Quite frankly, I thought that the other guy with uh, the mobility uh, would have been a little better. Uh, not sure what I got if I got the story whether he was out, suspended, whatnot. But Otto Coons did not play, it was another guy, and they they seem to try to want to throw it down the field a little bit. Maybe, and you know, if you're coming into the game, you're kind of guessing South Carolina's secondary is inexperienced, so you want to try to get something going there. But on defense, they stack the box, uh you know, trying to test the Gamecocks' ability to throw it downfield. We're, we're going to talk about that here in a second. Uh, but overall, I, I think when you're in a game like this, you, you, you want to have a nice, positive uh, type of game. Uh, 11 different receivers caught passes. Uh, that has to – including backs, tight ends, whoever, that has to help. Um, Zaquandre White had a really good game leading receiver and rusher, 128 yards rushing and a touchdown, including 63-yarder, four receptions for 39 yards and a touchdown reception for him. Uh, so he's his offseason uh, has paid off. I, I thought that uh, – and this is kind of my first point of review here. You know, Marshawn Lloyd and Juju McDowell needed more room to run, uh, I think. Now, there were times those two need to get more north-south. 
and, and go and use that speed and not kind of dance or whatever. But, uh, you know, they, they didn't have as much room uh, as maybe I thought. And that, that points to the offensive line, which, uh, you know, I, I'd probably give them about a C uh, for the game if I were grading it. I don't really like to give grades, but, uh, you know, I, I think it was a very average performance from a group that, you know, should be better. Now, you know, what is it? Is it a bunch of missed blocks? Was it assignments? Kind of all of the above. Uh, was the, the, did Eastern Illinois simply outnumber the Gamecocks on some plays? Uh, and again, I, I do think that with offensive line play, there is, uh, a lot of unrealistic expectations out there that this is never going to happen, this, that, and the other. You should never get, uh, you know, thrown for a loss if you're playing an overmatched team, but that happens sometimes, you know. Um, overall, I actually thought the pass blocking was was a little better than the run blocking. Uh, I thought uh, Gamecocks protected pretty well uh, in the football game. But uh, if you're looking for a spot that you circle and say, okay, this has to improve, uh, offensive line uh, would be, you know, sort of near the top of my list. That's simply because, you know, coming into the game this weekend, sort of like Eastern Illinois, East Carolina's a little undersized, quicker on the defense. Uh, and so if you have a trouble getting your hands on smaller, quicker guys, uh, like it looked like they were at times against EIU, ECU is going to be a step up from that. Uh, and the Gamecocks really have to get the running game going up in Greenville, North Carolina this weekend and some of those, you know, longer runs uh, by Lloyd and McDowell, you know, the, instead of 10, 15 yard, they probably need to be 30, you know, at, at times. And I think with better blocking uh, that would help them do that. Really impressed with both of those guys just uh, could have been a lot better. Uh, Jaheim Bell had a 63 or 60 something yard, 66 yard touchdown call back 56, something like that. Uh, in the run game, uh, I think he showed you uh, – and his stats weren't anything to write home about, but uh, he caught the touchdown early, probably wasn't intended for him, but he jumped up and got it. Um, I, I think you're seeing he's the type of guy uh, athletically that could really be a difference maker uh, for this team this year. Uh, and I think that's good. That's a good thing for him. Uh, vertical passing game. Yeah, and I'll let me talk. Let me say a few words about Zeb Nolan uh, because obviously I've seen a lot of different opinions out there. Uh, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, you know, through those touchdowns, kind of in goal line situations or, or in the red zone. Uh, but he did. You know, he completed them. Uh, some people can say that the first two uh, could have been picked, and 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 that's true to a certain extent, but. You know, the same crowd, you know, gives Ryan Holinsky uh, a lot of credit for that pass he threw against Alabama a couple years ago that should have been picked, that Shai Smith jumped up and got. So uh, sometimes, you know, we fire it in there and it, it looks like it could have been picked, but it's not. And that's the point. That That's called, you know, having a pretty good arm when you can, when you can get it in there like that. And good catch by Nick Muse. And uh, Muse had a pretty good game, you know, uh, was very enthusiastic after the two-point conversion and all that. Uh, but the vertical passing game was pretty much non-existent. Now, there's different ways to look at it. You know, the first way is, uh, oh, well, Nolan just continued to check down, check down, check down. Maybe that was by design. 
the second way to look at it is there, there was really no attempt uh, to get it going. Um, you know, I, they, they took the shot to Jalen Brooks. It was, again, a ball that he got his hands on, couldn't catch. Whether or not that's a drop, you know, you tell me. Uh, Jalen, I think, made up for it with a tremendous catch. Uh, from Jason Brown later in the ball game in the third quarter, got his foot in bounds. Uh, they replayed it, and he was in. Uh, you know, so they need more of that from Jalen Brooks. Uh, I, I think another thing is this. I think, you know, DeCarrie and Joyner did not look like the DeCarrie and Joyner we saw in the spring game, nor, uh, you know, in practice. Uh, again, just like last year, he had trouble getting separation. Um I'm not really ready to give up on him. Uh, he's worked extremely hard. Uh, it had to be a frustrating situation for DeCarrion. Uh I, I still think, though, if we look at the games, you know, the actual games, not the spring game and not practice, that, you know, he's much better when he's running the ball from scrimmage. I know with the Wildcats, somebody missed a block and all that good stuff. So frustrating night for him overall. But, you know, you've got Amari and Brown over there, and he looked pretty good at slot receiver. Uh, obviously, he's very fast, transferred from Georgia Tech. He's got speed. He can take the top off of a defense. Uh, and then I thought Trey Atkins, uh, again, he got a chance to play and one 19-yard reception. And uh, he's productive every time you put him in. So you keep an eye on those two guys, uh, I think, as we move forward. Uh, to eat some snaps at slot. Uh, and it may not be, you know, it, it, it may not be that, that that's the answer. Dakarian may come out and catch eight balls Saturday. Uh, like I said, I'm not trying to give up on him. I'm just saying that if this continues, you know, you need some guys to get separation. Um, and, you know, obviously in the game Saturday, the vertical passing game was non-existent. Uh, so what's the answer there? Uh, you know, I'm not one that's going to put it all on the quarterback. I, I think a lot of people misinterpret like that. You know, they're like, well, the quarterback needs to do it or whatever. And uh, you have to understand, he's running a play that's called. He has reads. Uh, you know, you don't, you're not told the design before he runs it. Uh, maybe there are people open, maybe not, you know. <laughs> Uh, I think that's always up for debate when you're sitting there watching it, uh, the replay and all that. But, uh, you know, I think Zeb Nolan did exactly what uh, he was supposed to do Saturday night. Um, so here's the question. Who's going to start at quarterback? You know, is Luke Doty going to be back? Um, and there's all kinds of different opinions uh, out there about it. I'll give you mine. Um, if he's not 100%, I don't, I don't think you play him. Uh, and it's simply because – uh, and I know that, you know, throwing him out there against Georgia next weekend or, or the next game uh, is less than ideal given the Georgia defense. And he's green and coming in and mispractice and all that. Uh, you know, I know that's less than ideal. But, you know, I, I just – because of the type of quarterback he is that's reliant on his feet uh, and all that, and then the footwork uh, with regards to the passing game is important for him too – you can't really justify playing him on a bum foot. Uh, and, and that's the bottom line. Now, people are confident he'll be ready to go. So if that's the case, you know, you, you go out and start him. Uh, if he's not, you know, if he's able to run the offense and all that good stuff. 
I, I don't, I don't have any insight, you know, as far as like the Intel I have on the situation, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me either way to see Zeb Nolan or Luke Doty start. And I'm not trying to be coy or, or trying to like, uh, you know, strategically put that out there or anything. I, I honestly have heard different things. Um, so I can't rule either guy out in terms of starting uh, this weekend and playing. Uh, my guess, and Tony Morrell had a piece on this for VIP members on the Big Spur today. My guess is, is they'll probably have both. You know, you'll probably play both at ECU and just see how it goes. Uh, but maybe not. You know, maybe not. Maybe it'll be the Zeb Nolan show yet again. Uh, you know, like, like I said, four touchdowns, no interceptions. That's a good stat line. Uh, I'm not starting the Zeb Nolan for Heisman campaign uh, because of that. Uh, I do think there are things in the passing game they need to work on. Um, and, and what you hope for is that was kind of intentional. And, and so, you you know, you kind of trick uh, whoever into saying, all right, well, we're going to play them the same way and load the box. Uh, and then you get big plays out of it. If you're able to execute and your receivers are able to get open, um, you know, and, and so so who is that? Is that Amarian Brown? Is that Jalen Brooks uh, making the catch down the field? Would it would it be uh, or Trey Smith on, on jump balls? What about EJ Jenkins? We didn't see EJ uh, get targeted, but once he's still kind of working his way back. Um, but make no mistake about it, he's a kind of supposed to be a big part of the offense this year. So you may see him a lot more uh, up in Greenville, North Carolina, Saturday. Uh, but that that's the question, you know, the, the starting quarterback. It's going to be talked to death this week, uh, and nobody's going to know. Um, you know, what I saw about out of the South Carolina offense in a positive manner, a lot of versatile players. You know, you got a Jaheim Bell. Uh, you've got a joiner that can do some different things, although admittedly it wasn't his best game. Uh, you know, uh, Zaquandre White certainly looks like, you know, I mean, he had four catches. That was double what anybody else did. Um, you know, th- there's some bright spots, too. You know, I mentioned Lloyd McDowell. You know, Kevin Harris will be back this week. So that's another guy uh, that you have back there that uh, certainly speaks for himself. Um, you know, Gene Bell, guys like that. Uh, you know, and I-, I thought, quite frankly, Josh Van uh, looked as good as he's looked in a Carolina uniform, just as far as – you know, the speed he's playing with, I mean, you know, he's a guy that came in and nobody questioned his speed. Uh, and he's playing pretty well his freshman year, caught a touchdown at Ole Miss, um, had the big drop uh, in the bowl game. And then things just sort of unraveled the next two years. I mean, 2019 was frustrating. He ended up getting hurt. Last year he was sort of non-existent. Uh, still played slow. Uh, I thought this year, you know, you look at him at least Saturday night, and he played fast. And so that's a positive thing. Josh Van, we remember, was a uh, top 200 recruit, four-star guy, one of the best slot receivers in the country. Uh, Georgia had Van and Kiaris Jackson on their board, would have taken either. It's kind of a first-to-commit thing. They ended up with Jackson. Gamecocks ended up with Van. But uh, – you know, they need him to, to play well and continue to do it. I mean, certainly, uh, you, you know, whenever you see somebody struggle like that, 
you know, over the course of several seasons, you, you start to wonder if he really has the talent or not. Uh, so I'm with you there, but, you know, certainly uh, Saturday night, he looked more like the Josh Van that we all uh, like. So, you know, we'll see what the answer is there on offense. You know, special teams, obviously, that was one of the better South Carolina special teams performances top to bottom that I've seen. Pete Limbo uh, tweeted out Saturday night. Uh, Pete Limbo won at Ball State. Uh, so this guy is a really good coach. Uh, and the Gamecocks have some interesting schemes and, and seem to know how to attack uh, Debo Williams getting credited with two punt blocks. That's amazing. Um, I can't remember the last time South Carolina had two punt blocks in a game. I think it was that Florida game in 2000. Uh, but maybe I read something different. I may be wrong about that. But two punt blocks in a game almost had a third. Debo Williams, I think, is going to become a fan favorite around here. Uh, he's got a long way to go in his career and uh, is a guy that's just out there trying to make plays. Jordan Strong as well, uh, I thought was really impressive on special teams and also rushing the passer. Um, game guys didn't get much going in the return game, but uh, that was more because there just wasn't as many, uh, I guess, opportunities or, or whatever. When you're blocking punts, you can't return them. You know? <laughs> and when you shut somebody out, you don't get many kickoff returns. Uh, but, you know, Kai Kroger punted well. Mitch Jeter kicked it well. Parker White kicked it well. Uh, and it all added up to a 46 to nothing uh, victory by the Gamecocks. Defensively, doesn't get much better than holding the team to 100 yards and shutting them out. Uh, you know, credit Jalen Foster with having his best game as a Gamecock, including the, the, the pick early. Uh, Darius Rush broke that pass up, by the way. Uh, you know, Cameron Smith showed some physicality that we haven't seen before. Jalen Dickerson had a big tackle for loss and played 41 snaps because uh, R.J. Roderick missed, missed the game. So Jalen Dickerson got out there and went the distance. Uh, I thought that was really good. Uh, Brad Johnson at linebacker had the sack and looks – uh, he's moving around better than he ever has. And, 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 you know, like I said before, Clemson and Georgia recruited this guy as a middle linebacker. Um, he's at the will linebacker position here. Green is at the mic. But, you know, certainly nothing to complain about with the Gamecocks defense at all. Uh, and the back seven held up pretty well because that, that was what Eastern's plan was, I think, is to throw it down the field and try to test the secondary. And, they didn't really have much time, uh, you know, against that South Carolina uh, defensive line. Zach Pickens, probably his best game as a Gamecock. Boogie Huntley got in and played really well uh, at D-tackle. Taka Hemingway played well. Um, you know, Jabari Ellis is a guy that, you know, they've got to get, I don't want to say more out of. Uh, I know they really like him. But when, when you have these 300-pounders behind you and you're 278 and they're making plays, uh, it may be hard to, to hold on to it, um, to hold on to that job. But Jabari's a, a really good player. And, you know, certainly the Jordan Birch pick six was impressive. Uh, you know, and, and I was told by a good contact, you know, uh, during preseason, they're like, if I, you know, talking about South Carolina, if our four- and five-star guys play like four- and five-star guys, you know, it's going to be okay. Well, Zach Pickens and Jordan Burks are the only two consensus five-star guys. Marshawn Lloyd was a five by some people and all that. But, 
you know, I thought Saturday night, uh, Pickens and Birch both played really well. Best ball I've seen him play in Birch. I, I think the tendency with Birch is to be impatient just because he was such a highly rated recruit. Um, you know, and last year you didn't see him that much. But la- look, last year, the fan base in general, I think, needs to needs to flush last year. You know, it obviously did not turn out the way anybody wanted it to. Uh, there were COVID issues. That's not an excuse to play the way they did at times. But there were COVID issues. Uh, they were very limited on offense, weapons-wise. Um and, you know, you talk about explosive plays. I, I think they did the best they could at times. Uh, and then, you know, defensively, it was a train wreck. Uh, and I think that you saw this past weekend, and it's the first weekend, so we'll see if uh, if any of these offenses get cranked up. But, I mean, you're talking, you know, look at Clemson and North Carolina. They both, you know, lost 10-3 to and 17-10. Uh, those games last year would have been very high scoring. Uh, even the best defensive teams last year, like your Georgias, I mean, Florida put 38 on the dogs before the half last season. Um, Alabama, you know, that was a high scoring game down there. I mean, you know, uh, and then you look at Alabama and Georgia's defense this season, Clemson's defense this season, Virginia Tech played a great defensive game against UNC. Uh, I think defenses are back. Even Ole Miss played really good defense last night in a 46-24 win against Louisville uh, over in Atlanta. So, you know, you, you start to look around, and, and you know, I, I talked all offseason. Well, we'll see if last year was just sort of a weird year where nobody played D. Uh, and if defenses return, I think defenses are back. Uh, and I think that the Gamecocks right now have the makings of a good defense. We'll see how they hold up. I mean, obviously, Eastern Illinois was not that good. Let's just be honest here. But uh, I think the defense played like they're supposed to play against a team that was overmatched, you know, and, and I think they've got some advantages uh, against East Carolina on, on Saturday as well. Uh, I think East Carolina's got more playmakers, more speed than EIU. Um probably a better offensive line, but South Carolina has a pretty damn good defensive line. <laughs> They're taking on the road. Uh, I'll just, you know, uh, that that group definitely lived up to the hype. The, the defense as a whole, you, you really don't, you know, have an issue with that or the special teams. You got some concerns on offense, definitely. Uh, and I think we all knew that going in. But, um, you know, overall, solid win. You know, uh, I, I thought, you know, just from a – you know, things that don't really matter kind of standpoint, you know, in terms of winning and losing, uh, but things that are important nonetheless to the program from a perspective, you know, a uh, perception standpoint. You know, I thought the Beamer debut was masterful. Uh, I thought the Gamecock walk looked as crowded as it's ever been, was told it was louder than it's been in a long time. The stadium was rocking the whole night. Uh, crowd was really into it, even though the numbers weren't great. But I think COVID and everything else is going to make those numbers less uh, in a lot of places this year. Uh, you know, depending on the opponent. You know, Kentucky game, I expect a bigger crowd, obviously. But um, you know, I, I thought that was great. 
Uh, on the downside, I, I think South Carolina still got a ways to go in terms of game day operations, from what I hear. Uh, the situation with the student section was not pleasant. For those that don't know, there was a big uh, log jam over there. I think I was told they had two people scanning, uh, and it just, you know, somebody got hurt in the in the mob there. You know, stuff like that's inexcusable. I mean, really. Um, and then the concessions, obviously, uh, talked to many people that uh, – couldn't get a beer, couldn't get a hot dog, you know, kind of had to – lines were outrageous. Um, and that stuff's got to be fixed. I mean, that, that that's frustrating when you can't go and enjoy a win. Uh, first game is, hey, and you're missing, you know, two or three series because you, you want to get a beer. Um, and then, you know, the, the new club sections and stuff, the, the whole word I got was they were understaffed. Now, look. First game, we all know in this country right now, you're having a hard time hiring people across the board, especially food service jobs. Um, so maybe they just didn't have any, but I'd, I'd maybe get some volunteers or something. I'd, I'd try very, very hard to have something that made a little more sense uh, in terms of flow and, and service and, and things of that nature. But, you know, so that was a negative uh, in terms of um, – you know, the game day experience for some of you. And I, I really hope that it gets better. I mean, it's University of South Carolina. You, you know, you, you need to, if you're going to be a big time team, you, you know, big time program, you need to act big time in all areas. That has nothing to do with the team. You know, that's just game day experience. And, you know, something I think, you know, obviously, you know, you can improve now, whether that's, I mean, the buck has to stop with Ray Tanner on that because he's the, the AD, but whoever's below him and whoever's responsibility that is, they, you know, they need to maybe have a conversation and, and find out how they can fix it. Maybe they can't, maybe because maybe they can't find anybody at work. I don't know. And if that's the case, you just have to live with it. But, um, you know, there, there has to be some way to, to figure everything out. So, I, you know, that, that's my take on that. Uh, good to see Shane Beamer, Frank Beamer, uh, those guys happy uh, after the game. One and O is one and O. I think after losing nineteen of twenty-seven football games, uh, you know you're happy with a, a forty-six point win. Any way you can get it, uh, it could have been more. Uh, like I said, I, I I think it's a positive thing that the, the staff has something to coach on this week because yeah, you go out there and you're flawless against a team like Eastern Illinois. And, and that, that's when you, that's when you can get beat because you're like, Oh, we won, we won 84 to nothing scored every time we had the ball, had no penalties, no turnovers, nothing like that. Uh, it's hard to coach on that the next week, you know? So I, I think it's a positive that you have some, some coaching up to do. I, I thought both penalties or touchdowns were caught were, were awful, uh, inexcusable really. Uh, you got to be smarter than that. And I think if you're the Gamecocks, that, that you'll work on that this week. And that's fine because that stuff can get you beat when you have touchdowns called back and things like that because you're not going to have the opportunities, you know, all the time against the schedule the Gamecocks play. Uh, so when you get that chance and you can hit a big one, you, you need to make sure, you know, you don't have a dumb penalty uh, that uh, takes it away. Uh, and I know, and that's good. You know, you can work on that this week. I know that drives Shane Beamer crazy, you know, stupid penalties. Um, and he's talked about that. So 
all in all, a good win for the Gamecocks. Uh, you know, like I said, Zeb Nolan Heisman campaign is not on not online yet. Uh, you know, I do think there were some things that they need to work on, uh, especially offensive line and, and dumb penalties and vertical passing game. But all in all, I think you take the win. Uh, and I think that when you consider – some of the plays made with special teams, some of the big plays on offense they had, uh, and then the defense having a dominant performance. Uh, I think you take it. You take it and you, you go into next week and you try to get better. Uh, and then you got to play a, a tougher opponent. East Carolina is a two-point favorite last time I checked. I've seen them as much as a four-point favorite. I've seen the Gamecocks as a four-point favorite early. Uh, the line has shifted a bit. Um. It, that surprised me, quite frankly. People have, well, what do they know that we don't know? I don't know. You know, I, <laughs> There's nothing uh, behind the scenes that I've been made aware of. Now, that's not to say if there's something really bad that, uh, you know, like a COVID outbreak or something like that that we're not aware of that, that you know, that may not be – that may be the reason the line shifted. Um, I guess his money came in on, on one side and – that's why the line changed. But uh, I, uh, you know, East Carolina is going to have to play a lot better this week to beat the Gamecocks. And the Gamecocks uh, are going to have to clean up some areas uh, to go up there and have the type of win they can. I, I think Carolina has an advantage uh, tremendously on both lines of scrimmage. Uh, I think South Carolina has more playmakers on offense than East Carolina. Uh, although Harris is an excellent back, he's a Burns guy. Uh, and then Keaton Williams, I think that's his name. Uh, Gamecocks have to stop him. And Gamecock, and Pirates quarterback is good too, Ayler. Uh, for a while, I thought that Mason Garcia kid from South Carolina was going to be the starter up there, but it's not. It's it's the senior that they had last year. So they've got some some pieces in place you know app state did a really good job of being app state and running the outside zone like they normally do uh and winning <laughs> ecu could not stop that and and you have to think you know the gamecocks could have some similar success running the football uh, on saturday uh but yeah east carolina's a favorite so i think that's that's probably a net positive that, you know, it gets the team's attention. Look, you, you got to go up here and play. Well, you're an underdog, a road underdog uh, as of right now. So uh, all in all, you know, like I said, things are heading in the right direction. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't want to be sitting here next Monday talking about loss. <laughs> I know you guys don't want that either, uh, you know, but there's some things that Gamecocks are going to have to do better. Uh, at the same time, you look at it from the other end, East Carolina's obviously got to improve its run defense and, and things like that. I don't know if you could do that in 10 days. But, you know, I'm sure they have a uh, a game plan. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure that you can take the offensive film from the Eastern Illinois game at Carolina and say, okay, this is what – this is all they do. Because uh, I'm not sure they did all they – do you know in that one uh and, and we will see some but depends on who the quarterback is going to be too but uh, we will see what happens with all that all right obviously you get a lot of mailbag questions when you got a game and that's fine 
Uh, and so it's time for the I Help Consulting Mailbag. Uh, and there's two ways to get into the mailbag. The number one way that you could do it is uh, you could tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Please go follow that. Also follow Inside the Gamecocks on Instagram. Uh, and then you can email into the I Help Consulting mailbag, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And I'll tell you about I Help Consulting right now. If you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money. And that's where I Help Consulting can help. I Help is a Gamecock owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. Whether you think you might be paying too much for credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else, I Help can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if I Help can't save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. If I Help can't help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text my friend Daniel Owens at I Help 843 843- 372-5713 or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713, iHelpConsulting.com. I help consulting. How can I help you? Uh, please, you know, go save money. Uh, and like, like he said, or like he says, or like they say, they I help, I guess. Uh, if you can't do it, you don't get charged. So, I think that's pretty awesome uh, when you're talking about uh, saving money on your business like we all like to do. Okay, first one comes in. First question, I help consulting mailbag. Gamecock Ricky says, JC, what did we learn from Georgia at Clemson that might affect the Gamecocks? Is UGA's D-line going to eat us up? Does our D-line have a chance to bother Clemson? Thanks and go Cox. Um. You know, that Clemson game so far away, you, you don't know and you, you almost have the you know, you almost have the feeling they're gonna they're gonna not play like that, you know, I think as the season goes on. Uh up front. They've got players, you know, that they can maybe miss mix and match, have some new starters, that kind of thing. Um you know, is Georgia's defensive front going to eat the Gamecocks up? Well, the Carolina's offensive line has to play better, obviously, than they did the other night, especially against a front like Georgia's. But, you know, that game's down the road. We're obviously going to talk about that a lot one week from today. But I, I think South Carolina's defense uh, probably has a chance to, to – to, do some things against Georgia's offense. People forget, you know, Georgia's offense scored only a field goal too in that one. Um, you know, I, I I wasn't overly impressed with either offense in that football game, uh, which is kind of what I expected. You know, now I, I expected Georgia to lose. Uh, I thought Clemson had enough offensively to put – you know, 20-plus on the board, and I didn't know how Georgia was going to score. Uh, but Georgia attacked them the right way. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence is not walking – as of right now, Trevor Lawrence is not walking through that door. You know, the, and that – you know, you, you probably get spoiled a little bit if you're Clemson going from Deshaun Watson and then you have the Kelly Bryant year. You know, that team ran the ball and played defense well. And then, you know, Trevor Lawrence is in and you win another national championship and you play for another one. And then you you, you go and you were in the semis last year and Lawrence is the number one pick in the draft. But then you got this five-star kid coming in and DJ and 
oh, we'll just keep right on going. Well, it's not that easy. Uh, and I think a lot of the problem with this offseason was, you know, in college football in general, the, the national media, I, I think, completely ignored the fact that it was possible that last year was just a COVID year um, with the suspensions and defenses being gutted and all that. And then you take into account injuries and that, you know, you're not going to see something that looks like seven on seven across the sport again this season. Now I thought it was possible. I was like, well, maybe the game's just evolved and, you know, you, everybody's going to start going up and down the field and all that good stuff. But uh, I, I think we all know now, Defense is back, okay? And and so when you, you combine that with uh, the feeling that, you know, everybody wants to on paper anoint teams based on star rankings, uh, and I think that happened with North Carolina and Clemson both, you know, those guys are missing some of the receivers and skill guys they have. Clemson's missing Travis Etienne badly. Uh, you know, North Carolina's missing their two backs. Um, you know, you look around the country, it's just not as easy as saying, okay, we're going to just roll out another player. I mean, Alabama can do that and Alabama showed they can do that, but other, other programs can't, in my opinion, maybe Ohio state, although the Buckeyes, you know, 45, 31 at Minnesota, uh, struggled a bit in that one. I sort of felt like it'd be closer than people think, but you know, you, you got to consider these things, you know, that football is is most of the time developmental and not every five-star is going to be able to waltz in and play like a five-star. Um, you know, my opinion is DJ's probably going to get a lot better as the season goes on. Clemson will find a running game. Uh, and by the time they play South Carolina, you, you'll know one way or the other about that. Now, Georgia's closer to now. Um, just looking at it based on this past week, Gamecocks are going to have to find a way to manufacture some offense. But I'll say this, I think at running back, South Carolina's in better shape than Clemson. Hate to say it, and it may not end up that way. I mean, I really don't hate to say it, but, I, you know, I, it may surprise you uh, for me to say that. But, I, you know, so so will Carolina be able to run the ball against Georgia? That That's going to be the question. Uh, and then, then is this game kite defense uh, a function of opponent, uh, or, or are we going to see another really good outing at East Carolina? And then you take your defense and special teams on the road to Georgia, and you shoot your shot. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You still got Kentucky, Troy, Tennessee, and Vandy the next four games. So that's that. That's the thing about that Georgia game is it's always important for South Carolina to play Georgia and to play them well. But, you know, Georgia's kind of on a roll after a big win. Uh, and uh, if you're the game guy, just go down there and play play your best and, and see what you can do. Uh, and I think we'll have more answers about that UGA game uh, this weekend, um, you know, moving forward. UAB is a solid football team. They play Georgia this weekend. We'll see what happens. Uh, and then you got the Gamecocks. But, you know, Clemson – they play South Carolina State. I don't know that you're going to be able to that, – that's probably a get-well game for those guys. Uh, and, and we'll see in the end, you know, what to, what to make of Carolina-Clemson uh, this year. So, um, so there you go with that. I help consulting mailbag rolls on. 
Uh, I have to apologize to Mitchell. Uh, Missed his his, um, questions twice last week. So he says, hey, JC, hope all is well. I was listening to your appearance on JB and Goldwater, and I saw the comment you said in regards to South Carolina should never lose to Vanderbilt in any given season. However, even though the Gamecocks are on a winning streak against the Commodores, all things must come to an end at some point. And even though I think South Carolina goes 6-6 six six this year, I think one of the six losses will be to Vanderbilt. Hmm, my game's in Columbia. I don't know. Well, let's talk about how bad it is for South Carolina to lose to Tennessee, Missouri, and Kentucky on a regular basis. But how bad would it be for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks if they lost to Vanderbilt this season, even if, though it's an SEC game? I feel the reason that will happen this year is because I got this feeling Clark Lee will get his players motivated, and I think he'll beat an SEC team this season, in which case I believe it'll be the Gamecocks. To be honest, I won't be upset if the Gamecocks lose to Vanderbilt. I would rather lose to them during a rebuild than get upset by them during a season we're competing to get to Atlanta or the playoff. Overall, all things must come to an end. And if I were South Carolina, I'm hoping that the streak to Vanderbilt snaps sooner rather than later. On a positive note, I do think Beamer makes up for the Vandy loss and pulls an upset against the top-ranked team. Thanks for all you do, Mitchell. I just don't know about that, Mitchell. Uh, And maybe – I know you sent this last week, but East Tennessee State, which is just kind of restarting its football program, beat Vandy 23-3. to I guess guess they restarted it several years ago. But, look, you know, that's a tough loss at home. Their offense looked bad. Their defense did not look good. Uh, I was told over the summer that – as far as rosters go, like South Carolina's concerns are nothing compared to Vanderbilt's. And so it's going to be a bit of a build there. Uh, and Clark Lee is an alum and he's a proud Commodore and, you know, he'll probably do fine and, and they'll get better. I mean, people see that type of loss and they just assume you're going to be terrible all year. Uh, and then teams get better, and then they pull an upset. I, I agree with you in general. Eventually, the Vanderbilt thing is going to come to an end. Um, when you look at the history of it, you know, Gamecocks, when they've lost in that series, it's been two, it's been back to back years 98, 99, and then 07, 08. That 07 loss was awful. Um, but I just don't know that they're going to come into Williams Bryce and win this year. I just – I think South Carolina matches up pretty well with them. Uh, maybe it's next year in Nashville. Who knows? Uh, but uh, I, I just – I don't see that happening this season, to be honest. I, I think uh, – you know, and, and look, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they come in and, you know, they catch the Gamecocks with their pants down or something. But I, I just don't know that, you know, based on – what I saw Saturday, that uh, that's going to happen. So thanks. Uh, thanks, uh, Mitchell, for that. I'm sorry I missed the uh, the questions last week. Patrick, he emails in. Thanks. Uh, hey, JC, I thought Carolina looked plausible tonight. Overall, I was impressed with the defense. We still have a lot of issues with the offense. A couple of questions. Uh, impressed the defense, forced a shutout. When was the last time this happened? I think 2008. Gamecock shut out NC State 34-0. Ironically, Russell Wilson was on that NC State team. That was a weird game because 
South Carolina struggled. They started Tommy Beecher. I think he threw four interceptions. It was 13-0 there for a while. Then Chris Smelly came in, threw, I think, three touchdowns late to kind of run it up. Uh, but it was 08 uh, against an, a rebuilding NC State team. Uh, kept seeing Jalen Dickerson get the majority of the snaps. Thought on his outlook this year. I think he's talented. Um, was good to see him go the distance because one of the concerns was going to be how long he could go. Uh, R.J. Roderick will be back this week, hopefully. Uh, and so uh, there we go. You know, I, I, I think if the more Dickerson can play, the more you, the less you worry about safety. And I know Jalen Foster had a good game too, but. I uh, I really like Dickerson's game when he's healthy. He says, was surprised not to hear Amarian Brown. Well, he caught two passes for 15 yards. It was late. Um, you know, he was out with some COVID issues and all that, but good to see him get in there and make some catches. Uh, I I think Brown's going to play more and more. I mean, they should play him. He, he's fast. He's a deep threat. Um uh, I, I think he'll play more and more. He really came on at the end of practice too, uh, you know. So that was uh, so. So you missed it. You missed the two receptions there, Patrick. But that's okay. Uh, it was late. Um, thoughts on Lloyd's performance tonight? Felt like EIU loaded the box to force the pass, and most running backs had a hard time between the tackles. Yeah, and I, I don't know, hard time. But if there were, if there was more open space. I think Marshawn Lloyd would have broken one and Juju McDowell too. Uh, but they did load the box and it, and it looked like the game cops were just, we're just going to say, Hey, we're going to run the ball anyway. But obviously when Marshawn got loose, you know, it was kind of his own doing. Uh, I think he's an exceptionally quick and fast running back. Uh, I do think he had some first game jitters to a certain extent. Uh, like when he caught the 19-yard pass, you, you know, he's in the open field. Uh, I think he's, you know, I don't know what he was tr- kind of trying to stop or jump cut or something right there. Looked like his feet sort of got weird. And and what you do with that, you just run, 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 run. You get north and south, and then you juke the guy out of his jock, and you're gone. Um, And so – it wasn't all offensive line on Lloyd, but for the most part, it, he needed more room. He and McDowell both. Uh, but those guys are very elusive, uh, very, very elusive. And, and really, he's a Quandre White. When he, uh, until he broke the long one, he was kind of in the same boat uh, as those guys. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I thought, I, I think, you know, underestimate Marshawn Lloyd based on the stat line against EIU. Uh, if you will. <laughs> I'm not saying you're doing that, Patrick, but I'm sure some are going to ah, 14 for 55, whatever. Uh, that's, that's, that's your, I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I think that guy could be special, uh, you know, and I, I think that, you know, this week with Kevin Harris coming back, it's going to be really interesting to see who gets the carries and all that good stuff. I, I like the fact that White, was so involved in the passing game uh, because that just gives you another potential target out there uh, for the quarterbacks if the receivers don't come on. Uh, and the game guys have a lot of guys like that. Jaheim Bell, uh, we'll see E.J. Jenkins more, uh, that kind of thing. But it, it's going to be interesting. I, th- I thought Lloyd 
was was really good. Uh, and numbers wise, I think he could be even better. Uh, and part of that, a lot of that's room to run, but a lot of that too, some of it was on him. I, I think he he did leave some yards on the field by not getting north south more. And Shane Beamer, I think, mentioned that in the postseason. But uh, yeah, so far so good. And, and yeah, you did load the box, but I'm going to tell you this, Patrick, that's not going to be the last loaded box Carolina sees. Uh, and if East Carolina doesn't do it this weekend, uh, I can assure you that the Georgia Bulldogs will. Uh, I, I think they're going to just stack it and dare the Gamecocks to pass. So you got to get some kind of passing game going uh, down in Athens because uh, against those guys, I don't know that you're just going to be able to line up and say we're going to run anyway with an outnumbered deal in the box. So I appreciate it, Patrick. Thank you so much. Jeff says, first let me say any Saturday that produces a win for Carolina, a loss for Clemson is a great day indeed. I uh, still thought we had too many drops and press protection was stellar. Wasn't stellar, but not awful, though. I think we'll have a better idea where things stand are with this squad after we play ECU. I'm still expecting a win in Greenville, but it may be a close one. like to know what you think our needy areas are. Thanks. I actually thought the pass protection was fine. Um you know, Jason Brown had the fumble and the turnover, but he held on the ball too long. I mean, that that's on him. I mean, he had plenty of time to just throw it away or whatever. I get that he was trying to make a play, and that's fine. Uh, I don't want to, you know, he – I don't want to sit there with Jason Brown and look at the one play and use that as like, oh, you know, because people did that last year with Colin Hill, you know, like in the Ole Miss game. You know, he made one huge mistake and turned it over. Uh, everybody just trashed it. He played a pretty good game that game. Um, you know, so I'm not going to sit there and do that to Jason Brown, but uh, he held on to it for too long. Uh, I thought the run blocking was more of an issue. You know, like I said, you, you got to give Lloyd and McDowell and you're going to have to give Harris and White and all those guys room to run, you know, and that's uh, – they didn't always have that with the stack box. I agree. <laughs> East Carolina will be a better idea, better measuring stick, especially now that Gamecocks are underdogs going up there. Uh, and it may be a close one. You know, I'd take a one-point win right now because you're 2-0 and before you start the SEC. If you win that, um, you're a third of the way to a bowl game. Uh, everybody's still excited and happy, and you go shoot your shot. Uh, needy areas, you know, I, I, I want to see more out of the vertical passing game. Obviously, because I think that's going to be necessary this year. Uh, and then I'd, you know, like to see the offensive line uh, get meaner and uh, tougher in the run game and get those guys some some room to run. And I'm sure Coach Atkins, Greg Atkins, can work on that this week. I've been told that. So, uh, and look, I'll be honest, left side of the offensive line is huge. Jazz Turnantine and Jalen Nichols are 340 and 325. They're mountains of men. But the two kids from Virginia behind them, Ja'Kai Moore and Vershawn Lee, uh, they will take their job, I mean, if, if those guys don't get better. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. And that's the bottom line for everybody. I mean, that you know, Amarian Brown was mentioned earlier. If, if, if DeCarrie Joyner can, doesn't get separation, um, continues to struggle, then Amarian, Trey Atkins, whoever will play. Um, so that's it. Not You know, I wasn't. 
you know, I, and look, there's a lot of debate about this out there. And I'm just gonna, I, I wasn't the, the receivers as a whole, you know, I, I was a little bit, you know, it was kind of the same old, same old for me with a couple of exceptions, uh, Josh Van being one of them. Um, but, but that group as a whole needs to play better. But that's it too. Look, they're blowing him out, you know, blowing out Eastern Illinois. You know, I, are they really going to chunk it all down the yard? You know, I don't know. And I, I, I don't know about that, but, uh, I am looking for better days uh, out of the receivers. Um, you know, moving forward, uh, you know, still had some drops in there. You got to can't drop it. Josh Van didn't have any drops though. So that's good. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Jalen Brooks, Next time he's breaking open deep, hopefully he gets uh, makes the catch. Because I, I kind of think with Jalen, once he gets that and he connects on it, it becomes mental, you know, or it's become mental. I think at this point, uh, I, I think it's gonna he's gonna be a lot more solid doing that, you know. And and I think, you know, frankly, and and, and look, like I said, you don't want to like empty the playbook against Eastern Illinois. Um, and, and you kind of, I think, want East Carolina to think you can't throw it down the field uh, because that's going to give you some opportunity to. But, you know, Jalen probably needs more opportunities than one <laughs> going long like that. I mean, in the spring game, he had one, and that didn't work out, you know. So uh, I, I would try to throw it up to him a little bit more because eventually he's going to catch one, uh, I mean, I think. Uh, but he hadn't so far, so we'll see. Thanks, Jeff, uh, for the uh, email. Noah says, JC, I hope you enjoyed the game Saturday night. Electric atmosphere shutout win. I was impressed with how well Josh Van seems to has improved, have improved, especially catching the ball more consistently. Do you think he could be one of the better receivers on this year's team? So far, so good, man. I mean, he caught two, but he caught a touchdown, and he had a nice catch and run. Uh, he plays like that from now on, he's going to, you know, easily surpass his reception career high. I mean, I think it's 19 uh, in a season. And I think that season he dropped a bunch. So he, if he can catch 30, 35 passes this year, I think it's great. Great to see Ortray Smith catch one too uh, in the game, in my opinion. But yeah, I, you know, I, Van has to maintain his level of play and he can't go revert and have, some of the issues he did have, but, uh, you know, I, I thought when he got the ball Saturday that he was impressive um, and looked like the player we thought he would be coming out of high school. Uh, and so there's that. Uh, thanks for your email. Spence says, uh, offensive observations. Uh, by the way, it's Marcus Satterfield, not Scott Satterfield, Spence. He's like, great talking again about football and normal stuff. Appreciate the work you do. It makes the weeks and days go by a lot faster. Thank you, sir. Now to some observations and questions. We scored five touchdowns, but very, very misleading is there are still gaping questions. Love what I saw defensively, but all of my concerns are on the offensive side of the ball. Only one game, but it felt like Satterfield doesn't have a feel for the game a la Kurt Roper. Two examples stand out, and those are the first calls immediately after momentum shift and turnovers in plus territory, and a veteran OC would call a shot play. What does he do in both instances? Trots Dak to carry a joiner. It's not Dak, by the way, uh, out there to run Wildcat to the left side, really poor, and I hope to God Satterfield is better than this because it was really concerning. 
I get it. Uh, not all veteran OCs go for the juggler after, you know, turnovers or momentum shifts. I don't know why, because I like it. <laughs> uh, Steve Spurrier always did it. You know, you knew it was coming, too. You know, he's just going to chuck it downtown and see what happens. Um, you know, wasn't – I would imagine that throwing the – Wildcat out there after sudden change in a certain way is trying to throw the defense off a little bit, but obviously it didn't work. Uh, I, I'll tell you just from this game, though, it like, I, like I've said from the beginning with Marcus Satterfield and his play calling, I don't even think we're going to know until – like we're going to have a good idea about this until um, uh, Kentucky, I, I think. Because, you know, a game like Saturday – Shoot, you know, you, you're, you're sort of trying to sandbag a little bit once you get up by a certain amount, that type of thing. And I thought early on the play calling was fine. Um, Kurt Roper, here's the difference, man. Kurt Roper would run the same run play over and over and over again. Um, if I needed to compare uh, the play calling with one of the recent – play callers at South Carolina, I'd probably go with McClendon because uh, McClendon kind of had a grab bag of plays. And, you know, he'd run a lot of different plays and never go back to things, stuff like that. And I think the Gamecocks ran a lot of different plays, you know, a lot of formations, stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, as far as some of the things you talked about, you know, their sudden change and all this, it's called sudden change, by the way, the shock play you mentioned. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that, but I don't I, I don't think it's time to get concerned right now uh about the play calling. Uh and I'm not saying that's the second coming of Steve Spurrier up in the booth either. Uh, I'm just saying that right now, let's see what happens. Um, you know, and we we'll we'll see how it works out as the stakes get higher and the competition increases. Cause I think a lot of times when you've got a team overmatched and overwhelmed, it, you know, you kind of shelve some things. Uh, and based on Beamer's strategy for the quarterback, um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they were like, just give ECU and Georgia a bunch to prepare for. Uh, and let's just, you know, run a bunch of plays, run the ball, that kind of thing. Uh, number two, to carry on, he's a great kid and teammate, but he's not an SEC receiver. Doesn't have the wiggle or ability to make contested chances. Contested chances. Also, to point number one, Z White or Juju McDowell are much better alternatives to number five out of the Wildcat. Well, they're they're going to continue to use Jordan in the Wildcat. I don't think it's terrible. Um, if all right, so, so, so let me back up here. If that. The, the results continue to be that way, I'll be the first to say, yeah. Uh, and I'll give you a guy to run out of the Wildcat right now. Uh, White, Juju could do it, but I'll give you a guy, Jaheim Bell. Run him out of the Wildcat. <laughs> I think uh, I think that could be really, really interesting. Really, really interesting. I agree. Wiggle is the concern. Contested catch, catching is the concern for to carry on. Just, just kind of reverted – you know, I, I saw this kid in practice, saw him in the spring game. He's had a really good uh, all season, but sort of looked like the same old guy, you know, Saturday night. So he's got to he's got to turn it around and step up. Or like I said, 
Amorian Brown, somebody like that will, will take a spot at the slot. Number three, wide receiver rotation. Disappointed here as well with the same old stuff we saw with the last regime. Uh, play the favorites and fail to sit guys who can't catch. Step is doing the same thing here. Brooks and Dakaria need to sit and give others opportunities. It's pretty sad. I, I don't agree at all with this. Um, I don't think Justin Step is playing favorites. I think Justin Stepp has inherited what he's got. Um, I don't think anybody on the staff expected Joyner to play like he did. Uh, and and Jalen Brooks, say what you want. I mean, I, I think he made up for the drop with that circus catch on the sidelines. Uh, he, he's one of the best they have. Now, after watching it Saturday, do I think there is a discussion to be had? Joyner versus Amarian Brown and some guys like that? Yes. Absolutely. But you know, I'm not going to sit here and trash Brooks. Like I said, he needs to catch it deep. But, you know, he gets one opportunity a game, you know, that's not telling you much. Uh, and that's, that's kind of why I think it was maybe intentional they didn't go down the field a lot, you know, just because I would think you'd want to get him excited and get him in the flow and all that. But by the time – you know, you figure that out. It just uh, – it was late and all that good stuff. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't agree at all that that Justin Stepp is playing favorites. I, you know, stuff like that, Spence, is – that's premature. It's jumping to conclusions in a lot of ways. And you have to understand, Justin Stepp's one of the best receivers coaches in the country. Um, he wants to win like everybody else. Everybody started with a blank slate. Uh, I think it's maybe time to recognize that, that this group still has issues, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and somebody's got to figure it out, you know, but uh, they're still, by and large, South Carolina's receivers really aren't scaring anybody. Uh, but I don't, I don't see any kind of thing that says he's playing favorites. They substituted liberally. You know, a lot of guys got targets. Uh you know, I, I think you need to dial that back and focus more on Joiner uh, and, and Brown versus Brown or whoever, um, and then wait and see on the rest of it. I, I think that's the only valid part of what you're saying. Offensive line play, Spence says, looked listless and poor. Can't move this team around, speaks volumes about how overhyped this group is. And perhaps a step down in coaching and performance is to be expected. No, this this group's going to be better than it was last year. I, I, uh, I get it that they need to play better, but they can. Uh, Atkins is a good coach, you know. I, I think uh, I, I think there's an issue there with that group as a whole, looking like Tarzan, and I, I don't want to say playing like Jane, but. They look the part. They're capable, but they don't always, you know, show up. Uh, and there needed to be more room to run. That's the bottom line. I mean, needed to be more room uh, for Lloyd and McDowell. And there's going to have to be moving forward. But I, I don't know about listless and poor. I, you know, I, I think when you go back and watch it, because I, I had the initial takeaway. I was like, these guys should be embarrassed. But – Going back and look at it, a lot of the, the situation was EIU loading it, EIU run blitzing into the play, that kind of thing. And, 
Carolina deciding they're just going to try to run it at them anyway. And sometimes that leads to what you saw. Uh, but look, honest to God, I, I'm not sitting here making excuses for what, how the O-line played the other night because I, I think they can, can and will play better. But, you know, again, I don't know that it's time to, you know, sit there and jump off the bridge based on the first game of the season. And like I said at the opening, uh, I think it's positive that there were some negatives because, like I said, you go out and you blow that team out and nobody feels like they have to be coached this week and there's no improvement, uh, that's when you go get beat because you're not working on anything. Oh, we've arrived after beating the Eastern Illinois Panthers, and I just don't think that's going to – that's going to happen. Offensive superlative, Spence says quarterback play. Uh, Saquandre White and Josh Van. I agree with all that. Uh, you know, quarterback play, Zeb Nolan did exactly what he was supposed to do. Uh, you know, Jason Brown played solid when he got in there. I'm not going to hold that one play against him. And even Colton Gothier uh, completed a pass. That's good. It's got to make him feel good. First career completion, true freshman. Uh, and so we'll see what happens. But, uh, look, I, I think when you have a game like you had Saturday night and your special teams and defense were just dominant and then the offense is just kind of sort of, you know, okay, uh, yeah, uh, you know, that's probably a reason to be, you know, when you're if you're trying to base a lot on that one game, that's probably a reason for concern. But I, I think that's a positive because, you know, I, I've said many times, no scrimmages against other teams, no exhibition games in college football. You just got to go dive in the ocean and and swim <laughs> in this sport. And, um, you know, I, I think that it, there were bound to be issues, you know, somewhere. And sometimes those issues surprise you, um, you know, like the offensive line. You know, hey, well, they, these guys were – you know, supposed to blow this team off the ball. It didn't always happen. And so, hey, then you go work on it. Good news is they're capable. Good news is the vertical passing game is capable. Um, you know, good news is Marshawn Lloyd is capable of getting north-south more. So is Juju McDowell. Uh, so, you know, here we go. But, I, you know, I, 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 I know, Spence, over the years you – you tend to skew negative, and that's fine because I enjoy your emails and stuff. But I, I would – and I agree with some of the things you said. I don't think it's that dramatic after the one game. I think you need some games to kind of, you know, tell the tale, so to speak. Um, but, you know, I'd be lying if uh, the offensive line wasn't a concern based on the other night or if the receivers weren't a concern based on the other night or the – the quarterback uh, being able to go vertical, you know, I don't agree that it was anything like Kurt Roper because I watched that. And um, I don't know, go, go, go look at uh, the Clemson game in 2017 when once Carolina got behind by 20 and he just kept running it up the middle, you know, that was his last gem of a game. Uh, so, <laughs> You know, I, I don't know. I, I think if you had to compare it to somebody, it's probably, like I said, McClendon, just because there just seemed to be like a lot of different things they put out there and put on tape, um, you know, for whatever reason. But, Spence, don't be a stranger, man. Always appreciate your emails. Isaiah says, hey, JC, hope you're doing well. Is Rashad Amos still on the team? 
I heard Beamer say he has four good running backs, but did not say his name. Also, how would you rate Alex Huntley and Zach Pickens' performance? Uh, yeah, Rashad's still on the team. I think, and we haven't gotten confirmation on, on who all was suspended. I think Amos was in that suspended group um, just because I'm sure he would have gotten some carries. Uh, and I don't know. You know, I, I don't know what the story exactly is there. I know he had a great spring. Um, hadn't heard much about him. Uh, I think maybe we heard about him after the first scrimmage, but I'm not sure. Uh, but he's got a bright future as a talented guy. I hope that he does stick with it because, I mean, his time is coming. It's, it's just hard with all the backs that you have. Um, and and I don't think Beamer's sliding him or anything, but, you know, you, if he was suspended, and I do believe that was the case because he wasn't in uniform, then that's, uh, you know, that, that's why he probably wasn't mentioned. Uh, as far as Boogie goes, I thought it was a very good – uh, you know, because he played he played some last year, but again, you know, he was way behind. Uh, a good debut, I guess, for for Boogie Huntley at D tackle. I, I thought he played really well. Got penetration. Uh, he was a guy that coming in was going to need to develop. He has good athleticism, good feet. Uh, you know, for his size, is very athletic. Uh, I think it was unrealistic to expect much out of him last year, but. I think now he's ahead of schedule, and that's a tribute to Jimmy Lindsey and how he's coaching these guys up. Zach Pickens, I think, had the best game he's had as a Gamecock. And he got pressure. He was inside playing tough. Um, you know, I, I think Zach is going to have a really good year. And he looks enthusiastic and excited about getting out there and playing like a lot of the defense did. So uh, good job by Pickens. They're going to need him this weekend, man you know, at East Carolina. And obviously, going down to Georgia, they're going to need him as well. But uh, the, the defensive guys all look like they were having fun. And, and I think that's very important on defense is playing with enthusiasm and a love of the game and physical. You know, that was just missing off last year's defense. And, and, and really a lot of defenses around the country. But especially at South Carolina. So – yeah, good job by both of those in-state D-linemen D from D-line heaven. <laughs> uh, Boogie Huntley, Zach Pickens, thought they played really well. And I think Taka Hemingway played well. Jabari Ellis had his moments. Uh, T.J. Sanders got in the game late. True freshman from Marion that they like. So, you know, the defensive line to me, you know, Jordan Strawn really stood out as far as like a guy that belongs, you know, because he came up from group of five. And so you're always like, does he belong? Yes. But special teams, he's really good too. Cause, you know, they credited him with one of the punt blocks. They officially went back and gave it to Debo Williams, but he was there. I mean, so that's a guy that's going to really, I think, wreak some havoc. Aaron Sterling got in there and got some pressure. Birch with the pick six. I mean, that whole group right there. Uh, Itik Barre had a tackle for loss early, but I, that old group, I think, you know, has the makings of something really, really good. Now, the back seven was not challenged all that much against EIU. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to sit there because, you know, Eastern Illinois got like 100 yards in the game and, and say, okay, the secondary and linebackers are going to be fine. Uh, I do think they're going to be better than, than people thought. 
but it's a concern and, until it's not. I mean, I, I don't I don't think Eastern Illinois had a real shot at uh, getting vertical going down the field. I think East Carolina is better equipped for that. I think Georgia is better equipped for it. You know, Kentucky certainly is based on what we saw uh, in the first game uh, with their new offense. So you're going to find out about the back seven. I think right now the D line though, I can pencil that in. Cause I, you know, a lot of these guys, Sterling and Enigbare, and, and, and they've played a lot of football. So you sort of know what you're getting out of them. And, and, and the pick six for Jordan Birch, man, you know, all the expectations that he has, you know, him getting – and you really have to consider this like his freshman year. You know, based on what happened last season, this this is more like his freshman year, kind of like Clowney didn't start as a freshman, but obviously made some big plays. You know, that that's kind of how I see this year Jordan Burt going for Jordan Birch. Um, and it's just because last year that you know, he and Boogie both were behind and, you know, coming in from, from skis a ball and playing in the SEC and not having a full lot, you know, there's just a lot going on. Um, but he's, he's shined and, you know, that, that, that interception and return for a touchdown, that was, that was a five-star play <laughs> for Mr. Birch. So, you know, we'll see sort of what happens there with the D line moving forward. Isaiah, I always appreciate you uh, sending in, an email final one again inside the game at gmail.com to get in on the i help consulting mailbag don't forget prediction thursday coming up 48 hours man it goes by fast after this labor day thing um you know and, and that's brought to you by cindy searfoss realtor uh i absolutely encourage you guys uh to go and uh Check her out if you're in the upstate and are in need of a realtor, Colwell, Colwell Banker Kane, uh, 864-414-5271. Uh, tell Cindy JC sent you from the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan and has been serving the upstate for over 35 years. So she wants to help you with your real estate needs. She's Daniel Morgan Avenue in my hometown of Spartanburg. That's 864-414-5271. Cindy Searfoss. And she is the proud sponsor of Prediction Thursday. So I'll give a score prediction on Thursday. And we want to thank her for her sponsorship. One last email, Hudson says, what's up, JC? Awesome to see the Gamecocks shut out EIU this weekend. No matter who you're playing, a shutout is fun to watch and tough to do. That's true. Uh, Moving into ECU week, in your opinion, what is the area that needs the most improvement after week one? I'm going to say the offensive line. Lining up and blowing the other team off the ball if they're undersized and playing assignment football. Uh, I think that's the one area, you know, because you can – if you could get guys like Lloyd, McDowell, Harris, White, if you can get those guys room, they can bust some big plays. Um, and so I, I think that's – the offensive line needs to carry the offense on the road uh, this weekend. Now, look. I'm not going to sit here and say everything's fine either in the spots that look pretty good, you know, <laughs> namely the back seven uh, in the secondary. I, I think that as the competition gets harder and the skill gets better and the quarterback play gets better with the game guys face, you know, they're going to obviously have bigger tests. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it was a great start 
for the defense as a whole. Um, you know, but we may be sitting here next week talking about the secondary. Uh, you just don't know. Um, when you're playing a team like EIU and, and all that. But, uh, it, you know, I've had to circle one thing from last Saturday to carry to this Saturday. Offensive line, they need to play like the grown men that they are. And they all are big grown men. I mean, they're all good, you know. They need to get out there and make some things happen blocking-wise. Because, uh, you know what, you're a Southeastern Conference football team. You're on the road against an American Conference team. You outweigh them. You have more skill. Your lines of scrimmage should be the difference in in, in winning that football game, um, and that, that that's just the way it should be. So, uh, so that's my take on that. And I'll have more on the East Carolina game coming up. Shane Beamer press conference today, so we'll have a lots to talk about tomorrow. Um, Hudson says, looking forward to more Gamecock football. Feels like a breath of fresh air with the team and the staff on the field this year. They're playing with enthusiasm, and and I think I think that's positive. You know, I, I think that, you know, Zeb Nolan as a quarterback is a little bit more, you know, I say mobile, active, less methodical than Colin Hill. The offense is a little less methodical. Uh and I think methodical offense <laughs> sometimes frustrates people. Uh, you know, they had to do it last year, though, because they didn't have a lot of – I mean, you know, there was no Jaheim Bell. So, Quandre White got there late and just didn't do much, you know. Um, yeah, they Josh Van was Josh Van. You know, you basically had shy and, and they just didn't have the playmaker. So, uh, and then, you know, so you're expecting them with the players they had on defense – uh, to be good on defense and just hold them. And that just didn't work. It just didn't work because the defense ended up being terrible. But, you know, it was less methodical. The guys looked like they were having fun playing together. And uh, that's what you want. I mean, you know, there's no adversity that's hit yet. Uh, so you, you want to you make sure, and one of the keys for the coaching staff is going to be, inevitably Carolina's going to lose a football game this year. Be it this weekend, next weekend, whenever, and you have to be able to maintain that, you know. And uh, Shane Beamer's never done it before. Um, I think with all the work on culture and the people they have on staff, they they should easily be able to bounce back from adversity. But uh, you know, you, you never know till you do. Uh, but I agree, it's a breath breath of fresh air to look out there and see guys fired up about playing, encouraging their teammates, you know, enthusiastic in general, hungry uh, for success. Uh, I think all that stuff um, plays a good part. Hudson adds he's in Nashville this past weekend, was able to try Hattie B's, and it was great. Thanks for the recommendation. Have a good one, JC. Yeah, Hattie B's, hot chicken. Good stuff. Good stuff there. All right. Thanks to Heritage Digital for their sponsorship. Thank you to iHelp Consulting for sponsoring the iHelp Consulting Mailbag and Cindy Searfoss, realtor uh, from the upstate, for sponsoring Prediction Thursday, which is coming up in 48 hours. Uh, so, yeah, this was a good uh, a good little episode here. Uh, Going to listen to the Beamer Press Conference later today, Press Conference Tuesday. Be sure to tune in to thebigspur.com also here. Uh, for all of your Gamecock stuff. Also, don't forget 
Wednesday, JB and Goldwater, the hour-long segment. And then Friday, we'll have the big Gamecock preview show again with myself, Michael Flint, and Darren and Jamie Bradford. Uh, You don't want to miss that. As we move forward and uh, get ready for week two, uh, this is one a lot of Gamecock fans have talked about a lot at East Carolina, the second game of the year. Uh, I'll also add, for those of you that want to blame Ray Tanner for everything, this this game was not part of Ray Tanner's scheduling philosophy or it didn't even happen under his watch. Uh, this game was originally scheduled when Eric Hyman was there, Steve Spurrier was there, and Skip Holtz was in East Carolina. So that's how long ago it was. And um, so it was supposed to be like, I think, 4-1-1, four, one, one, four games in Columbia, one in Greenville, one in Charlotte. And the the – the one in Charlotte got played in 2011 and then 2012, they played in Columbia, 2014, they played in Columbia, 2016, they played in Columbia. They're supposed to play in 2020 last year that got bumped back. Uh, And so this is the Greenville game. And and it originally, if I'm not, if I'm remembering the story, correct. It's originally scheduled for like 2013, but North Carolina played in the, uh, I think in 2011, North Carolina played in the Chick-fil-A kickoff. And so UNC had to move, maybe it was 09. UNC had to, because it wasn't, it wasn't like in, in 2016, North Carolina played in that game too against Georgia. But this was earlier uh, when they played LSU. It's maybe, I think in 09, 010, something like that. But anyway, South Carolina was supposed to go to Greenville uh, in 2013, North Carolina had to push back. Um, and so UNC got moved to 2013. This game kept getting pushed back further and further and further. Uh, and so finally they're playing it. And, um, you know, frankly, I probably if you're the Gamecocks, I'd probably rather them be going up right now while Mike Houston's sort of trying to rebuild than um, go up there and play when – Lincoln Riley was the OC and Ruffin McNeil was coaching because th- th- those two teams, the Gamecocks played, uh, you know, and they were ball games, you know, 56 37, I think 33 23 uh, in 2014. But, um, you know, so, hey, uh, I'll, I'll shoot my shot against this East Carolina bunch rather than some of them from the past, uh, you know, and I know everybody's worried about Mike Houston because he beat Carolina when he was at Citadel and all that good stuff, but they, it's a triple option football team against a team that really had nothing left to play for except the game against Clemson the next week. And they actually played that one pretty well. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens, but lots more to talk about this week inside the Gamecocks podcast, JC Sherbert signing off. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Holla at you soon.